As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of The Athletic Podcast Network. And with me today, as always, on Monday... Kelly, what's up? Hey, I mean, uh, it's been a fun week in Thunderland. A lot of news, a lot of oh. unexpected stuff after the deadline. So, so much fun. news, yeah. We thought like, oh, George Hill, a little boring. Nope, not so fast, everybody. We've got lots of Thunder news <laughs> to the point when the Moses Brown stuff happened yesterday. I'm like, all right, too much, too much news, Thunder. Settle down. Settle down. Uh, let's let's start there, uh, and we'll kind of get into how this all came about for Moses Brown. But uh, Moses Brown was given a multi-year contract. I assume that it looks a lot like Lou Dort's. Mm-hmm. I don't have that information, but I would be floored if it were a tremendous amount more or whatever. I just think it's going to be around that. It might be more. That's certainly possible. Can't be less. The- like, <laughs> it, it like actually can't be less. Um, so I would I would guess that we'll get the term soon. I don't expect it to be a massive deal. No. Um, and also, I need to make sure that we clarify a few things with it. The Thunder, the the reason that this came about was not because he had a 2020 game, and there was actually like the conversations were happening before all this. Mm-hmm. that they were going to sign him to a multi-year contract no matter what happened. The 2020 game happens. It's great, but that's not the reason. Uh, the reason that it worked out timing-wise is that they finally had a roster spot available with uh, Austin Rivers sadly leaving the team. What what a just what a great era for the Thunder. And just, just in my brain, though, and just thinking that the possibilities of just Austin Rivers chucking 30 shots in a game. Uh, yeah, I... I was very excited about the possibility, and we were all robbed. Sam, you robbed us of great Austin Rivers experiences, but good for him. He gets to go to the Bucks. I think it's actually a, a great place for him to mm-hmm. play. I think that he could actually impact uh, the team there. But back to Moses Brown. Do you? Th- do you? Really? I do. Yeah, okay. I do. I do. I actually do. Yes. Like they uh, need an extra guy who cheers for them on the bench? <laughs> 
They lost. So they lost DJ Augustine, who yeah, has been pretty putrid for them. Uh, he's bigger than DJ. He's more of a spot up guy than DJ. I think he plays. I think he yeah. plays for them. I think they need yeah, more no, guards. I think. I. I mean, he's a, in a bench role. He plays. He played pretty good for Houston last year. Yeah. I mean, you know that. Yes. Yes. And he was kind of okay for Washington. Um, couple yeah. of. Well, whenever that was. Um, back on Moses. Uh, yeah. yeah. The 2020 game. I, I don't think you don't give contracts based on one game. Right. But surely the fact that he's able to produce at such a high degree um, every time he's on the court, whenever like you, you put him there, like for the time, it basically doesn't matter uh, because he's a, I think he's a guy, and I told that this uh, on After Dark, he's a guy that has a stamina that like he, he can be effective in 20, 25 minutes yep. when he goes over that. The, the production drops, but a guy that is able to do what he's doing at this age, uh, like playing playing against like good NBA player, that counts for something. Even if it's yeah. like ten plus ten, I mean, you give yeah. a contract to to a guy like that, and um, yeah, if he's able to to do twenty plus twenty more regularly, then this contract will be a bargain. Uh, mm-hmm. Because even if this is not, um, I mean, Moses is not the prototypical center that you need in the modern NBA. Um, right. he's not Jokic in terms of passing. It's not Jokic in terms of shooting. Uh, it's not as dominant as Embiid. But, I mean, if the defensive side continues to grow and he's able to produce at that level, I mean, take even Whiteside, which is not a good comp to me uh, because Moses is very, very uh, focused on the good things, yeah. not just on getting rebounds whenever. Uh, right. Like, if you add a defensive... Uh, I would say take the the best that uh, the, that that uh, Whiteside was defensively. He was a helpful player. Mm-hmm. That is how he got the max. Then he just kind of dropped. But but that player is still useful in the modern NBA. Maybe not as a thirty minute night, thirty minutes per night a guy. Uh, but but um, but maybe like a, as an energy big or a situational starter, something like that. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of a, a fun guy to develop. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of question as to like what he really is and how mm-hmm. good he actually is because like opportunity is going to give a lot of these guys production that's not accurate to the kind of player that they are. That's yeah. We've talked about that before the season started. And so you can't deny how crazy productive he is, though. Like yes. that's, that's real. But even on the Thunder side, they're like, okay, I, let's try to figure out what he is. Is he any good? I don't know. Is he worth a close to minimum contract for three years? Absolutely. Yes. Bring him on. Let him stay. Let him train with the team. Have no restrictions whatsoever with a two-way contract. I mean, it was worth it. I mean, they, they've converted three two-way guys. And so far, only one of them has really worked out. We have Deontay Burton, who's actually, like, working out in Oklahoma City and, like, going to, like, certain, like, basketball runs here, which is kind of fun. But uh, no, no longer with the team, no longer in the NBA. So that didn't work out. Obviously, the Lou Dort one has been uh, a revelation in a lot of ways. And then Moses Brown, will he work out? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is he a backup center? Perhaps. Is he a starting center? Perhaps. I still, it's a, it's a discovery thing with the Thunder still. Like it's, they're exploring, exploring, discovering. Uh, all of that with him. 
but is he is he worth a contract? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is the way in which you should approach everything, not just hoping that he turns into Rudy Gobert, because this is not fair to him nor yeah. to, to Rudy Gobert. Um, yeah. But the point is uh, that you can see how he can be good. And this is a very important thing. When you develop a guy, you want to see how he becomes a very important rotational player. Uh, with Dort was the defense. And with Moses is rebounding, positioning, the fact that he's able to run the floor really hard. This is something very special for a guy his size. It's not, it's not like a given to have a guy that is the first... Um, the, the, the guy who blocks the shot is the first at the basket on the other end. That is yeah. uncommon. Um, and so you, you really see a path for Moses to become a player. And this is what you need. But you also see that in the second half, when the Celtics really adjusted to him, like luring him out with Cornet and doubling him in the post, he really struggled. Uh, so you see the good and the bad uh, in, in the span of one game. But still, again, I really think that um, the way in which Moses played his two-way contract is incredible. And, yeah. and and no matter what happens in the future, he really made the most of every second he had in this two-way contract, both in the G League and with the grown-ups. So I'm really happy uh, because I really think that maybe it's something around the Kenrich Williams contract, like something like two millions flat for two, three years, maybe something yeah. like that. Um, because, I mean, for Lou Dort, it was a very difficult time. Uh, no one knew that the league is going to restart when he wanted the money. Uh, with Moses, is kind of different because like, I think he has a little bit more uh, leverage than that. So, uh, I mean, I expect him to get a little bit more than what Lou, Lou, Lou got, but not, again, nothing crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll learn a lot more about him in the coming weeks. There's, <laughs> believe it or not, there's not a lot of tape on Moses Brown out there. Yeah. And it took a halftime adjustment for the Celtics to figure out what to do. Yes. Because the this production between the first half and the second half was night and day. And let's see what he does. Let's see how... And not only do you have, like, the reaction from the other teams, like, you you give Moses Brown a chance to adjust. Exactly. And, like, what, what does he do now that teams know his strengths? Okay, let's... I'm very interested to find out. But congrats to Moses Brown. Congrats to the Thunder on finding another gem as a two-way guy. I think uh, that's a great deal. Uh, so the NBA announced, uh, Sham Sharania announced, or he broke this news, that the NBA draft will be on July 29th, and the NBA draft lottery will be on June 22nd. So the, And the combine will, is scheduled for June 21st through the 27th. So... Exciting stuff there. Uh, should be in the summer. There's a little glimmer of hope that we could actually have an NBA draft party with Down to Dunk. Hmm. So keep keep your ear to the ground on that, people, because that could be our very first. And I would I will be so elated if that is if if that's possible. I don't know. I can't say for sure. Um, but I will be so excited for us to be able to do something like that. So, um, that would be wonderful. Maybe we could do it outside. Maybe we can find a big indoor space. I don't know what we'll do. We'll figure it out, um, if we're able to do it, but, um, that'd be amazing. So, uh, keep your, keep your ears out for that. The 22nd, big, big day. 
Mark that as a day that you maybe you need to take a mental health day at work because you're going to be a basket case just like me all day long because the possibilities are just going to be rolling through your head. It could be anything. We could, it could be anything. We could have the first pick and the fifth pick. We could have the ninth pick and the you know, t- 28th pick. Like, who knows? It could Great. be anything. Nine and 28 sounds sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and just like make that okay. <laughs> yes. Normalize liking the ninth pick, everybody. Yes. <laughs> because that is certainly possible. Yeah, I mean, OKC need luck. Just, yeah. they, they just need luck. And, yeah. you know, you cannot command that nor hope. It's just like looking at the odds in a cold way and say, this is the odds that I'm happy. This is the odds I'm not happy. The odds that we will be not happy are higher today. Yeah. So let's try to adjust to that. And maybe, again, not an exact science. So it's uh, it's hard to get uh, a top guy outside of the top five. As we said multiple times, it's not mm-hmm. impossible. If he's there, I trust Sam to kind of find him. Uh, but it, I mean, it's... Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's uh, there. There's still a lot of basketball to be played, and uh, there are two two and a half games between OKC and the uh, worst five um, teams in the league. So mm-hmm. plenty of time to improve the record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look ahead at the schedule. They get Dallas tonight. Luca is supposed to play. They Yay! Will be, they will be missing Lou Dort. Uh, which is, that's tough. That's a tough assignment for probably Kenny Hustle to take on. No, so no, that's, no. Uh, you, you don't want to start him. Why? Just just bring him off the bench. He needs to play 18 minutes. Poku? Tops. Yes, yes. That is something that I want to see. All right. I do want to see that too. I want to see, do you think see that they, 45 minutes of Poku tonight. That's do you think that they will dare to start Bradley and Moses Brown? <laughs> Like, Man, uh, no, I mean, no, 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 no. It'll be the the Roby Moses mm-hmm. Poku lineup, right? With there is still one star. It is it, going Teo. to be. Yeah, probably, maybe, maybe Ty Jerome as a starter and Ken. Yeah, Ken Rich, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ty or Ty or Kenrich. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then like no Bradley. Would they would they start Josh Hall? Would they? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I, I want to see the Twin Towers to see how it looked like. I, I mean, it's just just yeah. to see how they clash like they i don't know anyway yeah yeah we'll no see. i mean tony bradley is i don't know i, I think he's a, he's going to be a fine player i mm-hmm. think that people will, will like him i think he's going to be productive he had several games with the 76ers where he didn't miss a shot so he, and it's because the dude basically only takes shots around the rim yeah uh, good offensive rebounder uh, I spoke where I spoke. I slacked with Rich Hoffman, mm-hmm. who is our Sixers writer at the Athletic, about him a little bit, and so he he said like he's a he's a fine prospect. He said he was a little surprised that they got rid of him uh, at the trade deadline just because of the Embiid injury, but he said he's he's a good offensive rebounder. He's gotten better defensively as far as like position goes, uh, especially since his first year with Utah. He was pretty miserable. Um, as a backup for them. So he's gotten better, and I expect him to be productive uh, as a backup, and who knows what his future is in the NBA, but Joel Embiid really likes him, 
And I think he's kind of your run of the mill backup big. He's six foot ten. Um, fine, nice young player. Played at North Carolina, which used to mean something. Uh, and now it that's very sad that it doesn't mean anything at all anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the last stretch of well, they they were okay just a couple of seasons ago. But um Yeah. Yeah, they're okay. But not not the dominant team that we think of when no. we think of the, the history of North Carolina. Uh, so big shouts to Tony Bradley. Hopefully we get to see him tonight. Uh, he's not on the injury report, not listed at all on it. So I ex- actually expect him to suit up and play for the Thunder. And, and then with all the injuries they have, I, I guess we'll see some Justin Jackson tonight. Uh, yeah, revenge game. Second, second try. That's right. That's, oh, boy. Uh, still no Darius Baisley. He's been out for a while with that shoulder. Obviously, the the Shea injury uh, is actually like quasi serious uh, in that you know people have kind of wondered like why was he resting throughout the season? Well, it has been this plantar fasciitis that he's been struggling with throughout the season. They had used rest as a way to keep it from like flaring up, and it took a wrong turn the other night, and they need him to be well. Uh, and so I'm interested to see what happens because I'll, we can kind of weave Al Horford into this conversation in that whenever this came about and they decided, no, like we just, we have, we just don't want to risk anything. There's nothing, nothing worth risking this season. So they, they sat Shay, they sat down to really look at the schedule for mm-hmm. the rest of the season. And if you look at it, like it's a mess, like it's an absolute mess. There's too many games, way too compact trying to figure out, like, when we sit Horford, because he started to sit on, like, both nights of back-to-back sometimes, and it was just like, all right, what are we doing here? And the Thunder and Horford's representatives sat down and tried to map out, basically, what can we do to help you? Like, how can we get this? Like, how can we help not only you, but help the organization as well? And they came to the conclusion that it's best for him to sit the rest of the season so he doesn't get, basically, so he doesn't get hurt. Because if, if he gets hurt, let's say he goes out and he plays against Utah on April 13th, and he goes down with some kind of knee injury where he has to have surgery, Horford can't get what he wants, and that's moving on to another team. The Thunder can't get what they want, and that's moving him on to another team and getting some kind of asset in return. Yeah, uh, It messes with every single person's plan, and we've talked about this before. Like, how many added wins does Horford bring you minus SGA? And the answer is none because yeah. the Thunder have been 8-8 eight and eight even without him. Yeah. So there's, I think, no benef- there's no benefit of him playing, and I think it's the right move. Yeah, I think, as I, as I said in, I think it was the last after dark or the one before, uh, probably the last one. Um, so uh, the idea is they really tried to showcase him um while not exaggerating with the um the burden on his body for yeah. the first part of the season they probably had a list or something close to that uh or at least a close communication between Horford and his representatives uh, to find another place uh probably the right deal didn't materialize and uh well for sure because um yeah. he's still here and they decide well uh, it's not worth the risk. So I, I really think that it, it was a risk assessment from the beginning, like try to showcase all 
to the best of their of OKC possibilities. Um, he had, I think, a good season, not a great one. He's still yeah. shooting the ball okay. Uh, he was okay in his role, and uh, but maybe like no team wants to spend this season twenty seven millions for for Horford. Um, yeah. So a prorated version of that. Uh, so next year we'll see. I mean, I think that there is a, a chance that um, either he tries to re- to play the first part of the season again with OKC and see where he's at the deadline, or just I think in the summer there will be teams that. Struck out on free agency. They really need a big. Uh, they didn't want to commit now. Boston, yes, I'm talking to you uh, about you. And um, yeah, they will see that with Horford, everything works better than yeah. uh, than how it works with uh, Tristan Thompson or even Fournier. So maybe they will. Again, there will be teams that I think um, uh, can get Horford with one and a half years, basically of of salary because the second year the last year of his contract is basically partially guaranteed so yeah it's i mean it's the chris paul storyline with just different circumstances Mm -hmm. where it was always let's trade for chris paul we are likely keeping him this whole season Mm -hmm. and then we will when he has a year off of his salary people can see that he's not completely washed up let's go see what we can get and it's the same thing with Horford. I think he showed that he's not completely washed up like people thought he was with mm-hmm. the Sixers. And you'll take him into the summer. It just happens to be that this year was a tanking season and then last season was we are just going to keep all our guys and see what happens kind of season. Yeah. And so yeah. that's that's why we come to the part where it's more beneficial for everybody for him to sit. This And like this is not, there's some people like, oh, is this because Moses Brown has played so well? Nah. Like, it's not directly related to Moses Brown. Like, it's not a, oh my gosh, Moses is so good that we have to sit out Horford. It's, it is, Horford, it doesn't make sense for his future or for our future for him to play. And we would rather give minutes to the young guys. And so it, it is... It is kind of related to Moses Brown in that they want to play him more to see what he is. But even if he was playing poorly, they would still like to figure out what he is. They would still like to figure out what Tony Bradley is. Or so Isaiah like Roby. I mean, even Isaiah if Roby, Moses yeah, is not ab- here. Absolutely. It is, it is not a direct line to Moses Brown is a better player, so we need to play him. So I just there's been a little bit of confusion about that and that... Uh, that's not the case. It's really just all of the all of the young guys that they want to play more and happen to be some big guys that they want to play as well. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the the deal with Horford and that it's not it's not a the Thunder looked at their pick situation and thought, oh my gosh, we've got to sit some guys down because we're not we're not there with our pick. Uh, this is a byproduct of that. So a lot of these Thunder things, it's funny, like you can easily look in one direction and think, oh my goodness, this is why they're doing it. Oh my goodness, you could, they're sitting Horford because they want to tank. Like, no, like there's a nuanced way to think about the Horford thing that's really more accurate in the conversations that they had. The conversation was really not around tanking. The, the conversations were around Al Horford and what's best for the team and what's best for him. That's yeah. what it was around. And they will lose games as a result of it. Uh, and... That's really how all of this has gone about. Um, and I, the Thunder ultimately want a better draft position, certainly, but um, 
you know, it hasn't really mattered anyways with the way that this team has performed. Uh, it certainly will will be impacted by the absence of Shea more than anything, and now the absence of Dort for at least tonight, uh, maybe multiple games. Maybe he misses against Toronto as well, those concussion protocols. It looked like he got hit pretty hard. Um, so I, I don't really know how long he'll be out, but uh, certainly ab- the absence of both. Uh, makes it pretty tough because you could see like the Teo Moses Brown duo like really ran out of gas at yeah. the end of that game. Yeah, you could you could see that pretty uh, clearly even on the telecast even without being there. Uh, the energy was not the same. And again, when you have guys that can really create off the dribble uh, like Shea and to a certain degree also Lou, uh, it opens up a lot of things. Uh, and Ty Jerome was not at his best um, because he can do stuff with the ball uh, himself and if you pair the two, the, two, the, the two things then it's the outcome then you get the outcome of the second half against Boston um, but I'm really curious to see how they play defensively tonight because the assignment is tough um, Moses will probably have to guard Porzingis uh, for yep. or or Kleber. So in both cases, he will be tested to 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 play a lot at the three point line. I'm I'm very curious. I mean, it's it's clearly a game that Dallas should win uh, pretty handily due to the circumstances. But you know, um, this challenge is something that I really want to see. Um, how OKC will face it because defensively they have ways to um, to switch. Uh, I want to see Poku um, guarding guys like Luca. I really want to see him against Luca and see how yeah. how yeah, he performs. And just just for fun. I mean, is 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 a year where you can get away with experiencing stuff, experimenting stuff, and like just getting the good and not the bad. Uh, because again, I, th- I think that you can see against Boston, OKC had a plan to win the game. It's not that they yeah. went there and just played, okay, let's see. No, even in the second half, they really missed shots and had a little bit of like um, lack of energy at the end, but they shot 28% from three. This is why they lost. And so they really played to win the game and they will do it tonight. But mm-hmm. I mean... There's no they, really they, downside. They always have. That's not, and that's, that's, that's never been, it was never going to be any other way no. with the Thunder. Uh, the truth is like young teams lose. Like that's just what happens in the NBA. Younger than a college team, apparently. Yeah. Young. Yeah. That's, that's been flying around that the, the starting lineup for the Thunder has been younger than OU's team, which is. That is Absolutely insane. wild. And it shows the direction of the Thunder. It shows where they want to be. It shows what they want to do. Uh, let's but, go over to the stream real quick. Uh, anything anything else you want to get in before we do this? No, no. I was saying, I bet it's OU is not the only one. It's not the only no, college team. No, they can't team. be, right? No. Yeah. I mean, especially good college teams. Like you you have to have older guys to be a good college team. Yeah, Gonzaga, um, Drew Time and Kispert are older than probably any player uh, besides Shea. So, yeah, Kispert might be sitting on the Thunder just because he's too old. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, let's go over to the stream real quick. Uh, Tyler Field in OKC. What's up? We have No Limit in Virginia. We have Aaron Yount in Shawnee. 
we have uh, Hermes in Greece. Thanks for typing your name in because I was not going to be able to read it. Uh, big shouts. James Anderson, as always, in the stream. Thanks for joining. Uh, we have G. Guthrie joining from the Plaza District. Shout out. Jordan in Tulsa. We have Dan in Rhode Island. Wild Hunt in London. We have Big Man in Z from New Zealand. We have Bryce uh, at in at Oklahoma State. Thanks for joining. Samuel in Maryland. We have Ben in Sao Paulo. We have Jacoby in Norman. Thanks for joining. We have Paul Chi in Jamaica. Woo! I love Jamaica. Uh, Luke uh, in Newcastle. Jeremy in Kansas. We have Miroslav in Germany. Uh, Felipe says, nice jacket, Michele. Uh, uh, Michael says that he likes your haircut and also likes your jacket, Michele. Uh, John in Broken Arrow, what's up? Uh, G Guthrie says that Moses Brown is better than Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> he certainly has like uh, better... Um, physical gifts than Isaiah Stewart, uh, but I do love Isaiah Stewart uh, quite a bit. Go listen to Saturday Slam Jam if you haven't yet. We get to talk some Isaiah Stewart with with my guy James Edwards. That show, uh, not to make uh, like uh, that show is amazing. It's just amazing. It's been it's been super fun. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate everybody for listening to that. Uh, Luke in Newcastle, Clinton in Tulsa. Felipe, who loves Michele's jacket, is from Brazil. Falk in Denmark. Dana, Rhode Island. Uh, let's see. R. Combs, Ryan and Joplin. Jacob in California. Uh, Cody McChicken is in Nompton. Uh, Napel- oh. Napoletano. Napoletano in Slovenia. Wow, thank you. Uh, <laughs> David Paul in Chicago. David Paul also wants us to know he wants Cam Reddish. Thanks for uh, everybody for joining in the stream. If you want a big shout out, join the stream. Tell us where you're from. Vishal in India. Yeah, I don't DTD know. DTD worldwide. I don't know what your problem is with my haircut. I mean, it's uh, it's locked down here. I cannot get to a barber. So it's that since, I don't know, uh, three months. It's getting terrible. <laughs> wow. Uh, you look great. I would appreciate no. if you stop disparaging yourself. Sahaj in uh, Sudan. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And we're back from that quick break. Kelly, I thought I think it's always fun to look into on-off data or lineup data. Uh, on the Thunder, uh, the best place to do that is a site called cleaningtheglass.com. 
And I'm just kind of perusing the the on-off data for the Thunder currently and the players that are going to be playing the remainder of the season and kind of using that. You can't always use it as a predictor as to what's going to happen, uh, especially with the on-offs, the individual on-offs. It is so dependent on who you're playing with and who they are playing and what's happening. So this isn't saying who is good uh, and who is bad. Uh, obviously, because uh, Shea Gilles Alexander is a negative 4.3. Uh, obviously, he's the best player on the team. So this doesn't this isn't telling the story Easy. of Easy of dough. Who, <laughs> wow, this isn't telling the story of who these guys are, but it is telling the story of what has happened, uh, and some of it has been completely circumstantial. I think, like you can look at some of these guys here, and if I, I think it's kind of fun to to describe what's happening with these numbers, and maybe why they are what they are. But the top three guys in differential uh, for on-offs are Darius Miller, Kenrich Williams, and Mike Muscala. They're all above 10. Darius Miller, in his 130 minutes, is a plus 20.7, which is wild, but also kind of feels right. Because anytime he's ever been in the game, it feels like he's making threes and doing stuff. Kenrich, obviously, plus 13.8. He's been, like, plus 95 um, in the percentile rankings almost all season, and then Mike Muscala. And it's just, it's kind of wild to me that the Thunder are, the, those two of those guys are, two of the three are sitting, um, and they're going more toward a youth movement. Uh, but that, it, it doesn't mean that they're, these guys are so much better. Like, can you, can you kind of delve into this plus minus stat, this on off stat for us a little bit? So I would say, um, Two two things first. One is uh, it's not only as you mentioned the, the the guys that you play with, but it also it is also the guys that you play against. Um, the the guys that are on the top of the list are bench guys. Um, they don't play against the starters. They play in moments of the game where the best player of the opponent team are not playing, and they usually play when OKC is down. So um, if you if you put this together, then you can see why they can have um, a positive impact on the game. Uh, you are in a situation where maybe OKC is down 15, down 10, you get the second unit in, you go on a little mini run, the opponents uh, basically let a little bit over the rope, and then the starters come back and they just kill the game again. And um, sometimes it's like, uh, sometimes it's this, and sometimes it's the second unit playing very good basketball, uh, because this also happened. I mentioned it multiple times that when Shea is on the court, the offense is not always fluid, um, mainly because Shea doesn't play with a lot of shooters. While in the second unit, you have Darius Miller, Mike Muscala, Kenrich Williams, you have Justin Jackson, you have maybe Lou Dort, uh, Ty Jerome, those are plus shooter. Uh, it happened during the first part of the season that when Shea was playing, OKC was one of the worst shooting teams. Uh, that is, that was kind of a uh, byproduct of the, a lot of Pokushevsky, uh, maybe Horford not hitting as much as in the second part of the season and stuff like that. So overall, I mean, there is part of is randomness because when you have team that sh- that shot that has the worst um, three-point percentage in the league and then raises a lot this is 
just basically reverting to the mean. And it happened to be uh, a part of the season where Shea played less, but I don't think that this correlates exactly with the, with, with the quality of play. Uh, so maybe this sounds all confusing, but to, to, to recap, second unit plays uh, in, in against certain level, B, um, kind of different uh, play when Shea's on and Shea's off. Uh, and also the fact that the three players that you mentioned are basically... They are perfect for the scheme that Tegnold has in mind, like shooting out of trees and moving around and uh, and stuff like that. So, I think it's um it it will be interesting to see how uh, the next version of the Thunder will shape out because I think that Shea needs space alongside him. And when you have Basley, Dort, and Pokushevsky, either two out of the three become really good shooter, or I don't think that this is the best way to maximize Shea. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that is a great assessment of what's been going on. Uh, and then according to Cleaning the Glass, the Thunder are 29th in offense and 12th in defense, yeah. which really rings true for a really good try-hard team. Yeah. <laughs> it's just what the Thunder are. Yeah. Um, they, and this team just continues to win more games than what people, than what people have thought. And... I would guess that that will probably come to a screeching halt whenever you don't have a guy like Shea and you're missing as many guys as they are and they're not playing Mike Muscala and they're not playing Justin Jackson and they're playing a lot more Josh Hall and it's the byproduct of trying to develop young guys is typically, and and especially whenever you remove a lot of the guys from the equation that we have been talking about is that you will lose games. And the games that they will win it's because they hit an outrageous amount of threes. Uh, whenever you shoot a ton of threes, you add a lot of variance to the outcome of the game. Yes. And the Thunder are trying to do that to a degree. Um, and some of it is that they do have a lot of good three-point shooters. You add Sfi to that, who he's obviously a shooter. Ty Jerome has been very good. Maladon has been good. Uh, Kenneth Williams has been good. And if all those guys are hitting all at once, we saw this in Minnesota the other night, like, You'll, you'll win the game. Uh, also, when you're playing the team that is at the bottom of the standings, you have an even better chance of winning that game. Like the, the Timberwolves still just, I mean, they just cannot get any traction whatsoever. Like they just continue to just flounder and they get, they got beat by that, you know, basically like this Houston team that's like just a bunch of spare parts at this point. Yeah. Um, you got trounced by them. Doesn't uh, doesn't look good. Brutal situation. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, we don't have we don't know anything about the other teams really. Uh, I barely know anything about right. Thunder, uh, so you, you never know what is going on there. But it's kind of perplexing that you move away from a coach that is clearly losing, and you get another one while putting him in the worst possible position because he mm-hmm. he comes in mid season. Uh, the plan is not clear. And like, why now he doesn't, well, maybe he, he has the trust of the front office, but in the eyes of the player, he just switched coach and nothing really happened. Not even from a playing standpoint. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not that they were playing some, some magic basketball and, and everything was going against them. Like, I don't know about the ball bounces too much. And it's just the old Minnesota team. I, I, I didn't see anything different. Maybe it's too harsh from myself, but it's, 
it's hard to understand that, uh, how they can elevate themselves. Well, maybe if they get K, then sure. Yeah. But, but they got Towns. Like They've got Towns. Towns was they- a very, very, very good... There was a moment in year one or year two where there was a question, uh, is he better than Anthony Davis? Mm-hmm. And it was a real question. Now it yeah. seems preposterous to, even to, to like to to to, to whisper that it's yeah. um, like the, the environment makes a lot uh, of uh, of a player and uh, yeah. I, I, winning is hard. Winning yeah. in the NBA is hard, yes. and you have to get a lot of things right to do it. And the Timberwolves get very few of those things right in order to get there. And the Thunder get a lot of things right. It's part of why they have one games this season that they shouldn't have won is because they do understand how some of this works. Even look at the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are 500, but the Grizzlies have benefited a lot from teams uh, either resting their best players or their best players have been out. Uh, They've benefited from that tremendously. And they're also hurting because they don't have Jaron Jackson, but it's, it's hard to win. Like the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are also proof of that. Like they've, had a few years of draft picks and it's still really hard for them to win. Um, this, this league is really tough. And part, part of what benefits the thunder too, is that one, they're like very unassuming because they just don't have a lot of name guys on their roster. They don't have a lot of top end talent and they play really hard. And so they're going to have a shot in a lot of games for both of those reasons, because I mean, you know, as well as I do, like you line up against somebody you think you're a lot better than like, you're not going to give a billion percent in that game. You're going to think you can out-talent them. And then I think Boston got surprised the other night. They they lined up against them, and they got completely surprised. Lou Dort went on an 8-0 run all by himself to start that game. And I was like, what, what? is happening here exactly? <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think and Especially that- without Shea. Without Shea... I would not be shocked if we looked up at mid-April and like the Thunder are the best first quarter team in the NBA, just because of the fact of like who you line up against, kind of thing. Yeah, and and I want to add to what you said by saying winning is hard, and and even if OKC has a structure that, that looks way better than other teams like Minnesota or whatever, they are miles away from being a oh. team that wins. This is something that we we have to think. Like every single day, then, then we watch it on where when we watch it on the play. This team is miles away from being a winning basketball team. Winning 19 games, even winning more than expected, doesn't correlate with being a good team, a consistent. They're still seven team. games below 500, and we feel like they're a good team. Exactly, <laughs> but but it's not that. I mean, you you don't have to make excuses like, well, if we had George Hill, no, no, don't think about that, like. OKC is a team that is just about that just about has the record that that that, that reflects the talent that they have. Maybe a tad more, yeah. but if you if you add everything and blah blah blah, then then it's and the weirdness of the season. This is where they are. That it's not that you add Ben Schroeder or a guy like that to this team and boom, you win fifty games. No, no, this is not what is happening. You need to to add premium talent. To this team, you know, and and more, yeah, plus more. Uh, quickly on Shea's injury, I don't know a lot about it. Um, I know that it is something that can linger, 
Uh, I don't think even the Thunder know yet how long he'll be out. Um, he, I would guess that he will still play again this season. But I just wonder if like, we get down to it and you're in the last week of April and he still hasn't played. Um, if you're Shea, is it really worth it to get in there and play for three weeks? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how badly Shea wants to play for Team Canada. Uh, but if that's a thing and he's wanting to save himself for that, that would not shock me if they just shut it down for the last 10 games of the season or so and just said, hey, yeah, let's preserve you not only for that, but because the Olympics are so close to the start of next season, uh, we might need to um, we might need you to just sit out the rest of the season so you can have that long break. Um, because of that, uh, apparently Royce just dropped um, Moses's contract numbers. Thank you to Nate Sanders. Um, yep, here it is. So the de- the details are four years for six point eight million, um, with two of the three years are not being non guaranteed. So Lou um, Dark. This is the Lou deal essentially. This is a a tiny little contract that says, hey, let's see what happens. Let's see what you can do. If you're good, wonderful. It's a massive bargain for OKC. If you're not good, it's the literally the lowest risk that we could have as a team, um, which I think is the right idea. Why are you shaking your head? I mean, what are these agents doing? It's bad. I get from an agent's perspective, um, it's it's pretty bad. You could, I mean, you could you could go to the agent could have said, "Hey, listen, let's talk about the list of 2020 guys in Thunder history." It's Russell Westbrook. It's Ennis Cantor. It's Stephen Adams. It's Serge Ibaka, and Nick Collison. He just joined the crew. Like all those guys made a a ton more money than this. You got to give, you got to throw my guy Moses a bone here. Yeah, but, um, just, but yeah, I was thinking two millions per year. Like I know you were just a little bit more <laughs> and not maybe two years of team options. Like it's yeah, two years of team. Op- like this is a little, little hinky special here, <sighs> which if Moses Brown turns into something, this is a bargain, bargain, bargain deal. If he doesn't turn into anything, this is a bargain, bargain, bargain deal. There's like, there's just for from the Thunder's perspective, there's just absolutely zero downside to doing a deal like this. Um, for most, it's like there's there is a downside, and like, what if he is Hassan Whiteside? Like, what if he's Hassan Whiteside but with a good head on his shoulders? Because like Moses is great. Moses's answer the other night, I can't remember who asked him. It may have been Brandon asked him something like, do you like scoring or rebounding better? And he just said, I like winning better. Um, I think Hassan Whiteside would have given you an answer and it could have, and it would probably be scoring. <laughs> I think he would have probably said that. Uh, man. Uh, another, another applause there for Sam Presti and his team for not only finding Moses Brown, but getting him signed to uh, a deal like this. Uh, just tremendous, yeah. tremendous work. Um, but back, back to Shea, there's a, I think that there is a small minute chance that we don't see Shea the rest of the season, which I think would be a shame. 
Um, but I don't think that that bridge will be crossed for a while. Um, but there's just a lot of factors, just like with the Al Horford thing. Like, I think you can sit back and say, oh, this is clearly just a tanking move. And that really is not it. Like, that's that's you're looking the wrong direction on that one. And the same thing with Shea. I think that you could sit back and say, like, oh, if they don't play him the rest of the season, this is clearly a tanking move. Well, no, like, there's a lot of human factors at play with all of this. And we have to sit back and wait and see. I I would guess that we will see Shea again, but it's just something to think about with with all of this is that on the surface, yes, the the thing to jump to is always going to be tanking, and that is part of the goal for this season certainly is to make these draft picks better and rooting for Houston to lose and hoping that OKC will lose some more games because if the Thunder can wind up with three and five or with, you know, five and eight or whatever, like that puts them in a tremendous spot to improve quickly. I mean, there you can hit the fast forward button on this rebuild if those picks are both good, especially if they're both in the top five. I mean, you could be ready to go pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would be like the Thunder having two picks in that 07 draft or two picks in that 08 draft. Where if they did that, they may not even have James Harden. They may have just been pretty good to start with. Um, It's going to be kind of similar to that. And they have their starting point already with Shea. That's great. They've got all these young guys. Um, We haven't even talked about Poku hardly, but Poku has like really impressed me. Oh, yeah. The last few games. He's really shown some flashes. That one dunk where he makes his move, one dribble, and, he, I mean, he, what was he? He was beyond the free throw line after he picked up the ball. Two giant steps, and he's dunking at the rim. Uh, he's He just is an alien in a lot of ways. Like, nobody does this stuff at this size. Like, literally the only guy that's done this stuff at this size is Kevin Durant. And, like, the list is over. <laughs> like, that's the list. And I'm not saying that Poku... Is a, he's not nearly as talented as Kevin. He's not the scorer. He doesn't have the burst that Kevin has. But to be as skilled as he is at seven feet, to move like he does at seven feet, to dribble, all those things, he's showing what we had kind of hoped he could be. Even, even next season, like I would have been content not seeing any of this with him this season and just seeing this with him next season. But he's gotten better. And... I, I get irrationally excited about him just because of the possibilities that open up with a guy his size, with his length, uh, and what you can do with a roster like that. Yeah. Um, I'm on the top of what you said, uh, I mean, the dunk was great. Uh, he traveled. Shh, don't say to anyone. But anyway. Um, <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he, you think he took three steps? Yeah. I need to look at yeah. it again. I just get too excited about the dunk to ever think about traveling. Yeah. Um, but the point to me is the fact that you could see a lot of weird stuff at the beginning of the season. Like wild passes. Yeah. And you can still see like a, kind of like some of those because this is what Poku is. But you see a lot of consistency. You see like the dribble pull up out of uh, out of the pick and roll. Taylor uh, said it on the group chat. That motion looks extremely fluid. Yes, it yeah. it, it is true. And uh, if you have a, a guy that is seven feet tall that can play the pick and roll, and as soon as the guard go, the defender goes uh, behind the screen, he can pull up. 
Uh, I yeah. really think that by adding strength, you, he will be able to do that from the three-point line. Because again, I, I really buy the shot. Maybe, maybe this is wishful thinking and it's never going to be a reliable thing. But to me, it looks way better than the numbers um, actually tell because he, like, maybe he has some issues in terms of where the ball is when, like, it is a bit too low, blah, blah, blah. But if you look at the wrist, that motion is perfect. And it's yeah. going to take time to convert to a good degree. But I think he already crossed 30%. Uh, or maybe he did that over the last 10 games. I don't know. I have to check. But he's improving the three-point percentage quite a lot over the past 10 games. And I really think that by the end of the season, we'll see a guy that had like a 30-plus percent three-point uh, season. And it's going to be better. And on defense, he is very, very um, interesting at the end of the, of the ball. And he's also... Yeah. Uh, like sound he knows where to be uh he may not be a, uh, a great shot blocker but he gets some uh basically yeah. every game so um and he's one of the few guys that has more block shots than fouls yeah which is a just an interesting little tidbit yeah over the chat ran b saying i'm not a fan of his shooting form i know why he looks uh he looks slow but again look just at the wrist that is the most important moment uh, the way in which the, the, he gives rotation to the ball. This is the very important thing. The fact that he's too low is something that he's already working on. I see in some of the workout uh, over the summer. Uh, now it starts like here, but there are clips that he shows that he's trying to shoot a little bit higher. This will come mm -hmm. with strength. Now he's pushing the shot a little bit because, because of lack of strength. But again, look at the hand. That is the most important thing. And, and to me, um, he, he looks more coordinated, even from like starting from the beginning of the season up to now. The pull-up, if you look at the feet, he lands all in, the, in the same spot where he raises. This is very important. Now, it is going to be uh, a work in progress, but if you look at the first games and now, He's way more consistent, and this is something that I didn't expect him to have so soon. And maybe this is what you already uh, that you were mentioning, like the consistency, like the good he makes good plays consistently, which is extremely yeah. important. Yeah, I mean his seventeen games before he went to the G League bubble, he was thirty percent true shooting, which is like otherworldly awful. <laughs> I mean, like, so bad. Uh, post, in nine games, he's 45% true shooting, which is, like, regular bad. <laughs> Just, like, normal bad yeah. for normal bad players. Uh, but this is an interesting stat. In, a, in wins, he shoots, he has a 50% true shooting. In losses, he's 28% true shooting. So maybe the Thunder go as Poku goes here. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> He's also a minus 23 in losses and a plus 4.2 in wins. When things just, go bad, he's bad. Something there. When things go well, he's great. Yeah. Just just, uh, just an interesting little little stat there. Uh, okay. Wednesday, Alex and I will be back. We'll be breaking down this Dallas game. We'll be previewing the Toronto game. Uh, I'd also like to talk about picks on Wednesday with Alex. I've got the 100% accurate pick count and what they all mean and where they're coming from and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so please uh, be sure to listen to us. If you're not 
if you're just listening to this on the podcast feed, um, be sure to check us out on YouTube. If you want to uh, watch us talk, <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> well, it sounds weird when I say it now. Um, but go check that out. Please uh, subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, it is helpful to us if you will watch us on YouTube and listen to us on the podcast or Maybe you can just hit the hit play on YouTube and walk away and it looks like, I don't know, whatever you want to do. All right. Have a great day. Be sure to follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Thanks so much for uh, listening, subscribing, um, all that you guys do. And we will talk to you guys again on Wednesdays.